Good morning. Good morning, all of my visible ladies. And maybe there's somebody else out there. I had, I had to lower my camera because one of the problems with tank tops is my hair kind of covers the straps. And if I just do this, I look, see, if I just do this, then I look like Eve in the temple movie standing behind a, a bunch of bushes, right? Where she's like this tall in the, in, in the under, behind the green screen, the green, you know, fake greenery that was there. And so all you're looking at are her shoulders. So if, if, I, don't, if I don't sit back a little bit, you're like, are you in the Garden of Eden? And I would like to tell you that actually, yes, I am. And I say that because I'm in Arizona right now. And okay, I have to, I, I'm sorry, I hate to do this to you guys, but I just have to. It's gonna be 97 today. The sun is out right now, it's 84. It's gorgeous. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you people that are living in all of these places with snow, trying to, you know, or or yesterday we we, we did a Zoom call with our grandkids and, and they were like, well, we had to do the Easter egg hunt in the house because it was so rainy. And it was like, I know I used to live there. I know what that's like. But for some reason, it must be some like some kind of post-traumatic syndrome because all of the Easter's that I remember are the ones where it was beautiful in the Pacific Northwest. So anyway, welcome to She Became Visible. I'm so glad you joined me. I hope you're joining me live. And did you know that if you're joining me live, you can make comments and I will see the comments. Yes, you can. In fact, I'm going to click right now to the comment page. So if any of you want to make a comment, you are more than welcome to. That would be lovely and very greatly appreciated. So today I have an amazing gal and I'm telling you right now, if you are a little sensitive or if, and I don't say that sarcastically, okay? Because I am a full believer in the Enneagrams. And I understand that every one of the Enneagrams has a different personality trait, a different strength, and a different shadow that we will expel, right? So I am an Enneagram 3. I'll admit it. I'll take both shadow and strength side. Um, I have children that are complete. I probably have all nine Enneagrams in my children. And I have a number four Enneagram. And I know that number fours are more... You know, and the number fours are the ones that are going to fight for the polar bears. They're going to fight for the climate change. They're going to, they're very sensitive, intuitive in that area. And being an Enneagram three, one of my shadow sides is maybe I'm not as sensitive as I need to be. So I come across as a little cynical and a little sarcastic. And I don't know whether that's my Aries horoscope or my Enneagram three or my Midwestern uh, upbringing. I don't know who to blame it on, okay? But I'm just telling you that today's podcast is going to be down and dirty, okay? We're not given space. We're not even doing gray. I don't know what we're doing today, but we're going to talk our truths. Chanel and I are going to talk our truths and our experience with having to stand up and say, I'm here. I'm not invisible, can you see me? I'm a very visible person and I'm going to stand up and make sure that you can all see me. And one of my favorite statements, you guys, is um, I was, my husband and I were on a tram. We were at the airport and we were on a tram. We were going to the next gate, right? And there were a, a group of women across, uh, across the train from us. And um, this one girl, you know, she's, she's kind of looking at me and I, I kind of, 
And finally we made eye contact and she goes, I see you. And she goes, I love those jeans you have on, you know? And I love that. I love that she said, I see you. And I was like, thank you. That's the best thing I think anybody's ever said. And it just falls so much in line with our She Became Visible theme. So let me bring Chanel on and we can get this conversation going because you're going to want to sit down. If you're driving, literally, I don't know, you might have to pull over. If you're going to, if you, if you're under a timeline and you have to be a certain place at a certain time, put 10 and four, okay. Put your hands on the steering wheel because you're going to have a really hard time concentrating on your driving and listening to us at the same time, but please do that. Okay. So anyway, let's bring Chanel on. Hey, hey. Hi. there, there you are in, in my favorite color, my new favorite color. Ever since I let my hair go gray, my new favorite color is fuchsia. That, I love that, it. I love that pink. And it's funny as you age, you know, your skin tone changes, your hair colors change. And I never used to wear pink. I had nothing pink in my wardrobe. And now I love that pink. That is fabulous. I'm going to get us a little bit closer up. There we go. So Chanel, first of all, were you named after the beautiful fashion designer Chanel? Yes, ma'am. Yes, I want to know that story because you were raised in San Antonio, Texas. So yes. how on earth did, did your wonderful, obviously conscious, fashion conscious mother go, oh yeah, I'm naming this girl after Chanel. It was but, my dad. It was your dad. Okay. Tell me that story. So my dad, like myself, really loves smells. We love cologne and perfume. And he liked the smell of Chanel and then thought, that's a pretty name. And we also have French descent. So my middle name is Yvette. So Chanel Yvette, which are French names. Yes. So that's how I got my name. I love that. So does your French connection come through the Louisiana? Yes. That, it does. that okay. That, my family, uh, my dad's side is from Louisiana. My mom's side is from Texas. I love that. That is so cool. You know, it's funny because my mom came from uh, a family of eight children. There are five girls and three boys and her, um, oh golly, what is her middle name? I can't remember what aunt, aunt Marilyn's middle name was. Um, but then the second one that she was the oldest, the second one was Cleo Nadine. Wow. And then, and then I know, and then my mother was Velva Oreen. And I, I always say to myself, I think when grandpa was fighting in World War II, he might have enjoyed himself a little bit over there in France. Uh, it sounds like it. Yeah. It's like, where did these names come from? Who who in Dwight, Illinois was thinking Cleo Nadine and Velva Oreen? Oh, the Oreen is Irish. That's from their Irish background. But I love when these, I love when the fathers get involved in naming things. Very kids. much so. I think the moms are always like, that's, that was, I heard it on the TV. And I thought that, you know, dads are like, Ooh, I, let me tell you what I love. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that's fabulous. I love that. So you, so you grew up in um, San Antonio, even though your dad was from Louisiana, how did everybody migrate to San Antonio? You know what? His father was in the military in the army oh. and uh, military is huge in San Antonio. So from there, I believe that's how he got to, uh, San Antonio. He okay. was, you know, there's Fort Sam Houston. That's right yeah. there. Okay. So. 
Okay, that makes a lot of sense then. That's fabulous. And big families on both sides, father and mother come from big families? Pretty much. Like my mother's side is more, uh, I would say, huge. It's it's bigger. Oh. My father has a, a huge family too, but um, I don't know them as well. I know like my father's siblings and their children. And that's about it. And on my mom's side, I know great, 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 greats and great uncles, great aunties cousins, third cousins, like on my mom's side, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I find that a lot in, um, the female dynamic. It's it, you know how they say, um, Oh golly, what's that statement where they say, if you have a daughter, you have a daughter for life. And if you have a son, you have a son till he takes a wife. And it, it's so true because the, the, that's exactly my story. Like I knew my dad's family because we all lived in a very small town, but it was my mom's sisters that I stayed overnight at their house, the cousin relationship. Um, the other one was almost like they were there doing my father's side. They were there doing their thing and the kids were all doing their thing. But on my mom's side, there was interaction. And I, those, those four sisters that she had were really a big part of my life. And um, so that's so true with with the female side of the family. So now and you were a convert to the church. So you but you were raised in a very Christian environment. Talk about that. So my mother, um, you know, Texas Bible Belt, very, very religious. Everybody's religious. God is everything. And my father was Catholic. So there was oh. a little bit of discord because um Catholicism, what my dad was taught, you know, I would hear my parents kind of disagree a lot when it came to their marriage because in uh -huh. Catholicism, if she wasn't Catholic, they didn't consider them married. Uh -huh. And so oh. they, that was, that was an issue. And then I mostly went to church with my mother because she went to church more because of her family. Yes. My father, we went to mass and maybe, you know, holidays. And with my mother, we pretty much went a lot and got baptized in her church and I think I was probably 10 when I got baptized. And, um, you know, when my aunts went there, my uncles went there, my cousins went there, my grandparents went there. Oh, um, wow. my, not my grandmothers. They had been passed away when I was growing up, but my grandfathers okay. went there. Okay. That's amazing. What, what a tradition. I mean, that's what they talk about. When you hear these people say, I'm seven generation Mormon, it's that fiber connection that is just woven through your blood skin and everything that you that's hard to separate because that right. was just everything so that and then you know your cousins are there your aunts are there your mom is there that is that is you that is who you are that's very interesting and then i can see now so your dad would would he go to church separately or he was probably a typical male where it's like sure let's all go on christmas or like you say easter or the holy days or one of those and the rest of the time he was working right he was right yeah, or he so. was relaxing because my my father was catholic and so we only went to church here and there you know for special occasions but and then it was like certain holidays we went with my mom like definitely easter was at my mother's church oh. <clears throat> but like Christmas and other stuff was like my dad, like mass and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Did he ever go to mass during the week? Was no. he, he wasn't that dedicated. It was mostly holidays. Okay. That's very interesting. So you grew up 
um, the, 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 was it a Baptist church? It was Baptist that you're there. Okay. So was music a big part was a uh, huge part. Okay. And did that translate into just a casual family gathering, lots of music in your home and just that old time religion? Was that just a big part of your childhood? That was, it was so Church and black community is a huge thing because it's a, it's, it's a huge social thing, a very religious thing. But also, um, you know, as kids, we played church. We got in a lot of trouble for playing church oh, no. because the, the women had these fans. I don't know why, but it was always hot. Yes. And they had these little fans. There's hymn books, but then there were these fans and it was like boisterous and loud and, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> Pentecostal kind of. Yeah. And so yeah. we would act like the preachers we jump up and down and talk and clap our hands and sing and fan and we would throw ourselves back and you know we would play church and get in trouble for playing church but we mimic what we saw how blasphemous of you yeah, i love that though i love and who was the oh it was brad wilcox do you remember brad wilcox infamous where he was like are you playing church are you just playing church and it's just like yeah just like we're playing house, just like we're playing fire department. That's what children do. They replicate what they see and what they feel. How dare you take that as, like you say, a blasphemous thing when that's right. that's who you are. That's what you saw. Those were the, your loving people. That's amazing. So you have how many siblings? I have a brother and two sisters. Okay. So not a huge family, but but really back, you know, I remember even back in the, uh, let's see, in the 70s, when 70s, 80s, our kids were born in the 70s and 80s, people, even just four kids was a large family. Six right. kids was, are you Mormon or Catholic? That was the right. thing we got, you know. And being Catholic, did your dad want a large family or was he like, I don't, I don't care? You know what? I never knew what he thought about the number of his family members. Like, we never really talked about it. So I, I'm not sure what they wanted. Yeah. And so you don't know if your mom stopped at four because health reasons or just economic reasons or just I can only handle, you know, right. whatever. You don't know that. That's yeah, I, I never even thought about that. But that's a good question. I'm going to ask her because. Yes. I'm you very call her up right now and ask her. Get her on the phone. We'll add her to the stream here. I would love to. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? I'd love that. So, so tell us about your, your faith journey. So you're raised Christian. You have a, I'm sure there was biblical study involved and, and scripture and things like that. So what made you decide, I need, I don't know, I'm not comfortable with this. I'm, I want to look and see if there's another Christ-based faith that I, cause I, this isn't jiving with me. What was that? What happened there? Well, I think the thing that happened um, is I had a car accident and I wanted to know, like, had I not put my seatbelt on, they said I would have went through the windshield. So I thought, if I die, where do I go? What what will happen? So I'm a, I ask a lot of questions. I do that now. And so I started asking the preachers, hey, if I die today, where do I go? You go to heaven or hell? I said, no, where do I go, though? Like, does my body go somewhere else? Does, is there a spirit? Do I go immediately? Where is it at? I mean, I had a bunch of questions. They were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, you just need to have faith. I said, I do have faith. My question is, if there's a God, why won't he tell us what to expect when we die? I'd like to know that I was 18. And so they just would pat me on the head and say, you know, don't ask questions. Like, 
you know, you just need to have faith. You need to have faith. You need to have faith. And so I thought, no, I don't like that. So then um, I had friends that were in different religions. So I said, let me ask them. So I first asked a friend, I said, hey, do you know what happens if we die? And she was like, I don't know. And I said, well, can I come to church with you and ask? And she said, yes. I went to church with her, some Sunday school classes, asked questions, same thing, have faith. We don't know everything now. I don't like that. So I went to a church with another person. I went to Jehovah's Witness. I went to uh, Assemblies of God. I went to everything, Lutheran. I mean, Protestant. I went to everything just asking questions. And I was always told the same thing is have faith. Stop asking questions. You don't need to know that now. You will learn in the afterlife. And I just didn't like that. I thought if he creates us and he says we can ask anything, why wouldn't he answer this question? I said, maybe mm. they just don't know. Mm. So then I was telling my mom, mom, I just, I don't like this. And, and so she said, hey, there's a commercial with the blue book. I think it's called Mormon something. So yeah. why don't you ask those guys, see if they have questions, you know, I mean, would it hurt to talk to them? So I said, okay, um, because- That's fascinating. Yeah. She's like, there's this book that they talk about. And the thing about it is, is they were at our house one day because my mother was a seamstress. So I assumed these two men I saw were oh. getting their suits tailored. And she said, no, those those Mormon boys. And I said, what's a Mormon? Like, what is that? And she goes, I don't know, ask them. And so I said, well, tell them I have questions. So one day they came to the door, knocked on the door. I barely opened the door and I was like, hi. And they're like, hey, we're the Mormons. You know, your mom said you might have some questions. I'm like, no, I'm good. And they're like, no, she said you had some questions. You were trying to search for something. And I was like, no, I think I'm okay. I was kind of uncomfortable. I didn't know what to expect. And I remember the reason why I let them in is he said, listen, we can tell you anything we want. You can listen to anybody. Um, but the thing that's going to help you is if you ask God yourself, if you ask him if what we're saying is true or not, then you'll know for sure. And I like that because everybody else was just saying I had to listen to them. And mm. they said, no, you can ask God. And I thought, that's amazing. So I let them in and I had a first discussion and um, went from there. Wow. So interesting that your mom um, being, you know, a faithful Baptist that she didn't have an answer for you or she didn't call up her priest or, or pastor and just say, hey, my daughter has a question. Can you answer it? Her response was, I don't know either. Here's I saw these guys go, you know, go talk to them. Did she join the church? Never. In fact, so it was one thing when I was studying with them, she thought it was fine. But when I told I was going to get baptized, that freaked her out. And she did call my uncle, a Methodist preacher and some family members. And they did kind of sit me down like an intervention. Uh, and it was like, hey, you don't want to do this. This is not good. So. No. Okay. So that is an interesting story. So she thought that they were safe. They would be able to answer some questions, but she assumed that their theological thing would, would go along with the Baptist religion. Exactly. Like the, you're, the Mormons, oh, I'm sure they're doing the same Christ that we're doing. Uh, so it, it wouldn't hurt for her to talk to them because you know, whatever. It was just a benign thing about, yeah, Christ is Christ and every Christian believes in the same Christ. And so what would it hurt? That's, well, that's right. a very loving mother to do that yeah. though. 
I mean, really to, to say, to not say absolutely not. Don't talk to anybody else, but you know, our, our people, that was a very loving mother. Yeah, but, very so. but that is so ironic then that they're like, wait, 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 wait. You can they're like, listen. Whoa, wait. Yeah. Especially your uncle. I mean, did they give you reasons like you cannot join that church because what were the reasons? Um, they said the Joseph Smith thing is an absolute lie. That is not true. Nobody sees God. He's lying. That That, that is blasphemy. That's evil for, for somebody claiming to see God and talk with him. And okay. that is wrong. That is not okay. Right. And, we're, right. And, we're, and I guess not understanding where the Book of Mormon fed and saying, that book is not of God. That is a man-made book. That's a book by a, a, a guy complaining, I mean, um, claiming to be a prophet. That is not good. That is against God. It's going to cause you issues in your life. You need to stick with what you know. It was okay to ask some questions and, and kind of figure out where they are, but this is wrong. This is not right. This oh is not God's gosh. work. Isn't that amazing that, um, that we are so indoctrinated and, and and it's not just Mormons because I I I uh, every once in a while when I'm getting dressed or something I'll turn on YouTube and there's a, a this cute little Pentecostal girl she's pres she's Protestant she's a Protestant and she has a very fabulous not fabulous she has a very successful podcast and she was interviewing um, another pastor who was just very fabulous brain I mean this man is one of these people that I am so jealous of that just retain this information, a biblical scholar, doctor of theology from Oxford. So very respected. And, and they were, they were just saying, you know, um, if you don't believe this and if you don't believe that, and, and um, this is the proof. And the proof is, you know, there's proof that there was, for example, they were talking about the resurrection. They were saying um, there's proof. I can prove to you that there, that Christ was resurrected. And I'm like, Okay, I want to listen to this one. So you know what their proof was? Well, if you turn to Colossians section three, four, Paul said, I'm like, that's not proof. That's not proof. Yeah. And so, you know, so it's funny that that we though, I would have, I would have hundred percent believed that. I mean, I did believe that. And then when you start to use your critical thinking, like I had a daughter-in-law that said, I'm having a really hard time with polygamy. And I was like, Oh, you silly girl. Polygamy was just for the widows. This, you know, the, the apologetic thing. And then I'm like, she knew how come she was able to see. And I was just so indoctrinated that I couldn't even critically think about what was, I was like, I didn't even question. It's amazing that process, but you were 18 and you sound like you're a little bit of a free thinker. And I, I know you've said in the past that you and your dad were a lot alike when it came to, I don't believe you. I'm not doing that. Bye-bye, you know? Yeah. So so you went ahead and got baptized and then you weren't ostracized from your family though. Did you leave home after you were baptized? So here's the thing, like it made things very difficult with um. family because they were scared. They're like, what are you doing? And so ostracized, I don't know if the, it's if it was that, but it was definitely um, a wall. Oh. And it was definitely some pushback um, because, so I didn't physically leave home, but I spent a lot of time with members at their homes. Oh, um, they okay. would have me babysit, I would spend the night, they would have me come over and hang out. I would spend the night, hang out with them, go to church with them, 
be in their home, have family home evenings um, with oh. a lot of members, a lot of different members. Okay. So the word that you were baptized into as an 18 year old, they were very loving. They were, they were very embracing. Was there a lot of diversity in that ward in Texas? No, no. So the ward I went to, they did have a lot of Hispanic, but it okay. wasn't, they were, to me, they were, were white people. They weren't Hispanic from what I, from what I knew. I mean, San Antonio is mostly Hispanic. Mm, and so yeah. uh, there was, there was one black lady um, and that was, and there was a black couple with children, but again, it wasn't diverse. Like everything was still very much white. Well, yeah. So you're staying overnight in, in, in their homes, you're babysitting for their children, you're going to family evening. These are all white families. All but, white you've, families. but you felt very accepted and very, like there was no, you didn't see color as they say, when you were, when you were there, you felt like you were one of them. At the I did. And, and when I look back on it, it was like, I was love bombed so oh. much. It was so like, no, you're wonderful. You made the right decision. You're so smart. You're, and I'm like, I'm smart. I did yeah. something good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Coming, you know, growing up and always getting in trouble just for not doing something my aunt said or something my grandma said, or, you know, my great grandma or something. It was always like in trouble yeah. to now you are so smart for what you've done. And as long as you go to church and you read your scriptures, whatever thing you've done in your past, you're forgiven for, you're just a good person. We love you so much. And I'm like, and, and in my community, we didn't say, I love you. That was just not something, but uh, these people were consistently saying, I love you. You're amazing. You're so sweet. Oh, you're so good. And I'm like, I am you. You wow. love me. Yeah. So that was, that was huge. Yeah. I can see that. And they talk about that all the time in any kind of indoctrination or any kind of mind control is the love bombing. Love bombing is a huge part of it. And, and when you say that, I understand it's not a malicious, you know, malevolent act where they've all gotten together in the back of the chapel and said, no, okay, now listen, today we're going to tell it that, you know, it's not like that. It truly, it is very sincere and they really are happy for you. And they're happy for you that you've seen the light and accepted and all of this stuff. So, so when you, okay, at 18, were, had the change already been made where now 19-year-olds could go on missions? You didn't have to wait till you were 21, or did you? I had to wait till I was 21. Okay, so that was before that change was made. Oh, okay. yeah, this was 1990 when I joined. Okay, so um, what were you doing then for a living? What were you doing after you know, graduated from high school? Um, and then what were you doing between 18 and 21 before you went on your mission? I was working at Toys R Us. Okay, that was a great store. That's, I loved it. I'm sad I, that they're yeah. that they're gone. Yeah, that's where I was okay. okay, so you were working. Just did you have a friend group that you hung out with? My uh, coworkers from Toys R Us. Yep, that's typical. Okay, what about church? Were there was there anyone? Did you go to any kind of young adult or youth group? Did you stay in the family ward? I stayed in the family ward for a while. And then I turned 19. So I joined in November and I was 18. I turned 19 in February of 91. Okay. And so later on, I started going to a singles ward um, 
not not going I still have my my records in my ward but I would visit the singles ward but I okay. didn't I didn't necessarily go and then they had a dance that I went to because I went straight into Relief Society. Oh yeah, so that's true. Yeah. I didn't know anything about young men, young women, none of that. I went straight into Relief Society and everybody was older than me and they yeah. were married or yeah. didn't get married and yeah. I was like 18 with broken up with my boyfriend because the bishop said, Hey, he's not a member. You need to break up with them. Um, and I was like, Oh, but he's a good guy. Like we don't, we don't do naughty things. And he's like, yeah, yeah but he's not a member. He's not going to understand. And it's just better that you did. So I did, you know, I broke up with them. So you're 18, you have a, or in turning 19, you have a boyfriend. He's a great guy. And, and, and you're dating and did, and your Bishop says to you, um, this isn't going to work. You're a good LDS girl. Now you need to break up with him because he's not a return missionary. He's not a member of the church, but he's a good guy, but that doesn't matter. Unless he converts. Did you ask him? Did you try to convert him? No, not at all. I, at that time, I just, I, I didn't feel right asking him to do something because he knew what he knew I was getting baptized and stuff and he didn't ask about it. So to me, I felt like if he was interested, he would have asked me. So, and I was at that point, I was non-confrontational. I'm oh, different yeah. now, but I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. I just, this is just best. Don't want to yeah. explain. I can't do yeah. this by and just yeah. left it alone. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense because you know, you're comfortable. He's a good person. You're, you're like, well, if he, if he was interested, he'd, he'd ask. I wish more people would think that if they were really interested, they would ask you, please don't leave a book of Mormon on their doorstep or sneak one in underneath some cookies. Don't do Thank that. You. If they were interested, they would ask. <laughs> that should be a meme somewhere. If they were interested, they would ask, you know, that should be a t-shirt. Putting it, I'm putting it on a shirt for sure, because that's true. <laughs> there you go. So you're just working, going to church, living your life, still hanging out with family, attending family activities, right? Everything, is it getting better? The- well, it's getting worse because of me, because now I'm judging them all. Oh, you guys are drinking alcohol. Oh, you're smoking. Oh, we can't watch rated R. So now I'm a jerk. No. And did you say those things? I mean, oh, verbally? Yeah. <gasps> because members said you have to be bold. You have to stand for the church. You need to stand up. And the funny thing is they never said you need to stand up for God. You need to stand up for the church. You need to stand up yes. for the church. And I did. You stand up. And yes, and they said something all the time is that you, it's rather you be alone doing the right thing than to be with a bunch of people doing the wrong thing. So if you have to be by yourself, you have to be by yourself. And I was proud of that because yeah. I was by myself. Yeah. I stayed in my room. I only read the scriptures. I only listened to church music, watched church videos. I didn't watch any more TV. I didn't listen to the radio anymore. I didn't hang out with any of my friends as much. Um, it was just LDS, just, you know, engulfing it everything was just mormonism yeah wow but you got you were now the one of the family they're like is chanel coming to this yep that we have to invite chanel that oh my gosh did you ever like was there ever some kind of a like well we have to invite her it's thanksgiving but did you ever find out like oh what my family got together last friday and i wasn't invited was there ever that situation I noticed that a lot of things happened around me that I wasn't attending. Um, um, so, yeah. And I mean, like, I, as I think about it, to me, I was okay with it, though, because I was so indoctrinated thinking it's supposed to be like this. They're going to come around because I'm doing what's right. 
I, they told me, all the members told me all the time, even my patriarchal blessing, you need to stand in right places. You need to be the example. You need to be the example. They will, they will come to the church because of you. So you have to fight this by yourself. And oh, I can totally come. see that. You and then to bring them and you're, in. yeah. And then you're doing like the scrupal opposite scrupal. I'm not even going to bother, but you're, you're like, I will go in my room. I will, I will leave. I will, they will see the change in Chanel and they will, they will say, I need to know more. This, yeah. this religion has changed this girl. I need to know more that, and that's what you're told. That's what you were told. And, and I think that's happened for some people, for some people that has happened, but maybe they don't come from a tight religion in the first place. And they're already struggling with their beliefs in a God or whatever. So I don't know what the circumstances would be, but yeah, it wasn't working for you. So you're just, that's a long time, 19, 20, 20. That's a long time. You finally, you decide I'm going on a mission you go to your bishop. You said, I'd like to go on a mission. And he said, let's so do that's it. That's great. I think this will be great for your family. It will bless your family. This will be great for you. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay. So I started doing the preparation work, you know, making sure I stayed clean, that I didn't, you know, word of wisdom, no lot of chassis issues, none of that. Um, I was going to a single ward at this time, but I still had my records in my home ward. Okay. So I was, I was still kind of like back and forth going to right. different things, but you know, just my homeward. I had a calling. I was a nursery leader forever. You know, that's what I did. I was just a nursery worker, always, always nursery. Jeez. So. And you're still around. Like that would have taken me out right there. After two years, I would have been like, I'm out. Please yeah. get me out of here. I mean, I love children, but that's a lot of work, you know? Yeah. Nursery or ward mission. I mean, uh, ward missionary. Or oh, yeah. missionary. It's always stuff like that. It was never Relief Society, never oh, young women's at all. None yeah. of that ever. You would have been such a great young woman's leader. That's sad. That's sad that they didn't give you that opportunity or give the girls that opportunity. So, okay. Up until now, you have not heard anything about the priesthood ban. You have not, you have not been enlightened at all about where you stand in the church mentally and physically because of the color of your skin. You hadn't heard any, nobody gave a talk in sacrament that you're like, did he just say what? Nobody, nothing. That's amazing. But I did find out I'm the timeline. I don't remember. It was just early on. It was okay. probably, it was pretty new because I was a new member and okay. that was the excitement. I went to a members. Yeah. You know what? It was, it was early on because the missionary that attended this event with me was a missionary who baptized me. Okay. We, went to, we went to a member's home. It was some kind of luncheon or something, probably like 30 people there. I have pictures, but we were there and um, we were eating and the member who hosted it told me that's when I first heard about the priesthood ban. She started with black jokes uh, yeah, she started with black jokes and it was her and her husband. And the first joke they told me, I was like, I was so offended. And then I thought, but if the spirit's here, you shouldn't be offended. So maybe you need to, it was awful. It was, yeah. it was one of the most racist. Uh, it was very derogatory. And they and weren't they, talking to you, but you overheard. Oh, they, oh, no, they're you, talking to me. We're going to tell you a joke. Yeah. Here's a funny like, joke. Like here I am sitting down eating and there's people around, people walking, people playing, missionaries wrestling. And uh, she's like, 
Sister Johnson, I got a joke for you. And I'm all about jokes. I was like, yeah. And she tells me this joke and I just was like. Do you remember what the joke was? Oh yeah, I remember. Can I yeah. say it? It's yeah. kind of, oh, yeah. it's, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. So she says, Sister Johnson. And I'm like, yeah, she goes, what do you call a white baby with wings? And I go, what? She says, an angel. And I was like, oh. She goes, what do you call a black baby with wings? And I go, what? She goes, a bat. <gasps> and I was like, what? What? That doesn't, that is like, what? It was really bad. Yeah. How and do you respond more. to that? Okay, so go I, on. I, I was just embarrassed. And then she said, um, how come the black kids don't play in the sandbox? And I was like, why? She said, because the cats will cover them up. And I was like, <gasps> what the? What the oh my gosh. And then I they, would love to go back into that brain. I would like to, to go back and be like, look, but then I was just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm young. I'm 18 and everyone's looking at me and everyone's laughing. And so I'm laughing. I don't, I have no, I'm non-confrontational at that point. I don't know yeah. how I'm feeling. I'm uncomfortable. I'm embarrassed, but I don't know what to do or say. And they're nice people, aren't they? You yeah. know, they're not mean. They're not hurting me. I don't think. And then they just kept telling jokes. And then she says, okay, so I want to tell you something. And I said, yeah, she goes, did you know, this is exactly how she said it. Did you know that you were cursed? And I go, what? And at that time, the movies I watched that was cursed was like silver bullet. You're cursed like a werewolf. And oh yeah, and yeah. I, I was like, cursed. And she's like, yeah. And I said, what do you like with what? Like, you know, I'm thinking, am I sick? She goes, I said, but why am I cursed? And she says, oh, okay. So I'm going to tell you, she said, do you know the preexistence? Right. And I said, yes. She says in the preexistence, she used the words vagabond. She used the words uh, lukewarm. She used the word fence sitters. She said, so in the, in the preexistence, there was a war in heaven. I said, yes. She said, there was Jesus Christ. There was Satan. There was all of us. And there was Heavenly Father. And I said, okay. And she says, and black people didn't choose. They didn't choose God. They didn't choose Satan. They, cho they didn't choose anyone. And so that's why you guys are black because it's a punishment for you not being valiant in the preexistence. And I was like, she goes, but no, listen. And she was real sweet. She goes, listen, listen, here's the thing though. You chose this trial in the preexistence, but you have a chance to fix it. And you are fixing it. You got baptized, you know the gospel now. And so it's been because you didn't choose then. Now you can choose. Now you can, you made that choice. And so now all you have to do is live the gospel and that curse goes away after you resurrected. And I was like, so I just need to just do exactly what Heavenly Father says. She's like, yeah, because remember, you chose this trial. We all chose who we are. We chose our, our skin. We chose our parents. We chose our disabilities. We chose this. And I was like, okay, she goes, you guys were less valiant, but you were scared. You didn't know what to do. You didn't choose anybody. The rest of us chose. And then the third that chose Satan went with him. But you guys were kind of in the middle. You were lukewarm. She used vagabond. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. Oh my God. And I just accepted that. I didn't yeah. know what else. I mean, why would she tell me something that's not true? And God let slavery happen. So why wouldn't I believe that? Oh, that's a good way of. Why wouldn't okay. I believe that? Yeah. Because I'm sure that there's people listening that would think, how on earth could you think that? But it's like, well, let's go back in history. What, what have we shown? What, where are the, where are the starving babies? Oh, they're in Africa. Oh, well, that makes sense. Of course, God's punishing them. Um, but look, I have been given this opportunity. So yeah, from your, from your, you know, 
also incorrect history that's been taught, uh, you're you're making sense of that. You're you're reasoning. It's making sense of what she's saying. And if any of you, if there are any listeners out there that are not members of the church, and if you think that this is not true doctrine, that is absolute true doctrine that was taught. And the proof of that is, is that blacks uh, could not hold the priesthood. They could not perform any kind of temple ordinances. They could be baptized. And that is as far as they could get until 1978. So um, that's even through and past the civil rights things that were going on in the 70s. So the fact that it continued for that long is the doctrine that was taught. And you're exactly right. And I love what you said when you said in a way it made you a little bit more valiant because it's like, oh, so I'm actually like, I'm a little stronger than you guys. Cause look what I've, look what I'm going through. Yeah. You know? So it almost gave you power in a Very way. Much so I was like, and they're like, and, and I mean, they sold it to me. It was a business. They're like, you know, and you're the, you are the only black person and you will help your family. Oh, where'd Chanel go? Chanel just signed out. I can hear it. And she's disturb. back. Yeah. Thought yeah. I had my do not disturb. I'll have to check that. But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the one that's going to lead like Angel Moroni. I'm going to lead Captain Moroni. I'm going to lead these black people to salvation because I'm the example because I joined because I'm so valiant and I'm so good and I'm so worthy and I, and I'm such, I have a powerful testimony and I'm so strong. Everyone will follow me and I'm the one that's chosen to lead them. I wow. chose that in the preexistence. I believed it. Absolutely. What a power. So you go on your mission with the knowledge. Now you have the knowledge of the, of where the, um, thought processes in the church as far as people of color you you got that now but now you're but but it's given you a power so you put in your mission papers financially did you ask your family for support for your mission i did i did and they were going to support at first ah. but then it just never happened so there was members there were several members that each gave a certain amount that they committed to mm -hmm. and see this is something important that people need to understand it's one thing to hear about the curse of Cain and the mark of Cain. I not heard about the priesthood ban yet. Oh, I, I didn't learn that until my mission. No. Okay. So you were just told the mark of Cain. Curse of Cain, mark of Cain. Wow. But, I didn't know about, but they didn't say anything about the priesthood ban. They didn't say that black people couldn't hold the priesthood. I didn't find out about that until my mission. Okay. So you went to remind Oklahoma, me where you went. Tulsa, Oklahoma, okay. Tulsa mission. Okay. And was it in, in a predominantly black area that you were sent? Do you feel like there was any kind of thought? No. So there's no discrimination as far as where they're sending you. They're not like, well, you know, she's a, a black, so we're going to send her here. There wasn't any of that. So you were still in a very predominantly white area, even on your mission. Very mm -hmm. much so and very extremely bigoted, racist, white supremacy. Really oh. bad, especially in Arkansas. Arkansas was Oh, yes. That was my first area, Fort Smith, Arkansas. It was really bad. And what about companions? Did you find any kind of racism in your companions? Oh, boy. It was, it was, and then with the other missionaries, there was a couple of incidents, you know, being non-confrontational, I became very confrontational, like, excuse me? Like, you don't treat me like this. You don't talk to me like that. Like, I don't care what you've been taught you're not going to talk to me like that. And I was getting really upset. Um, just mostly the elders, 
yeah. um, just some stuff that they were taught district leader. Oh um, and I was like, one of them, I got really upset with him on a, a preparation day, a P day, because he was saying some pretty racist things. And so I licked his ice cream. We were at a Brahms <laughs> in Oklahoma. I licked his ice cream and I said, and when you lick it, you're going to turn black. I was, <laughs> I was livid. <laughs> Um, I was really mad. And another time on a P day, we were at a pizza hut and I wrote about it in my journal. I was just reading about that. My mission companion at the time did say, well, you know, she said some racist things. I can't remember exactly what she said. I wrote it down. I'll have to go get that. But I remember what he said. Um, he was mad because his sister had married and not had gotten pregnant by a black man. And he was just going off about how black people are and how they are, you know, why she, he was so upset about it and very, very racist. And I was like, okay, I was getting really pissed off. And so I said, you know what? So at that time we were sitting down and actually a waitress was coming around asking for our order. <clears throat> and I said, I want a black drink. And she went, a black drink? I said, I don't want anything white, no Sprite, no lemonade. I want the blackest drink. I want a Pepsi. I want a Dr. Pepper. I want a Coca-Cola. And they were all just like, oh my gosh. And I said, my pizza, I don't want any white cheese. I want you to burn my cheese. And I want black olives all over my pizza, <laughs> as black as you can get it. I mean, I was really mad. I was like tired of it because by then this was towards the end of my mission. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I was getting tired of the little remarks and the little things. And I even had missionaries now in my DM apologizing for some of the racist things they said and did to me on my mission. Yeah. And I, and asking for forgiveness, I said, of course, I forgive you. You were a kid. You were being taught these things. I don't blame right. you. Right. And the fact that you can apologize now tells me a lot, but at that time, and he said, I remember the thing that I said to you just broke you. I can see that it broke you, but I was a stupid kid at the time. And I said, yeah. it did break me. Yeah. And so a lot of racism was experienced on my mission. A wow. lot. And that, that is so, when I hear people being critical of um, critical race theory, that they want to teach critical race theory, I'm like, this is why, this it's is exactly why. why. And, and the fact that you're rejecting the idea that your little kids might actually grow up with some love and understanding and that you're rejecting that is just, it blows my mind. If you can't, you know, here we go, you know. Tom Cruise top, you know, top guy. If you can't handle the truth, then you have you better go back to school because you need to learn some truths because it is going to completely change. And and it's I look at that through every marginalized community, unless it affects you personally, shut up. Because you don't, you have you can even read a book, even reading a book about something, unless you've experienced that. That's why I wish travel was mandatory. I wish that children mandatory had to do a certain amount of travel, even if it's like you said, throughout the United States. Get out of your get out of uh, Wisconsin or whatever, go down to Oklahoma, get out of Utah, go down to Louisiana, just get out of your bubble and experience a little bit of life. I mean, you know, Chanel, I, I think I was talking to you. So we had a very severely disabled son. I had no experience with disabilities. I would not have ever believed anybody if they told me some of the discrimination that, that people with disabilities, I would have never believed it. Um, 
And then after having a child with a disability, I saw, I saw that I couldn't get his wheelchair through the aisles of the stores. I saw that people, you know, took advantage of handicapped parking places. I, yes. Yeah. I experienced it. So that changed my whole outlook. And that's the thing. These little, these little white kids from whatever they've never experienced, they're just listening to what was been thrown into their heads. And so what, how fabulous that you were able to say, I, of course I forgive you. You were 19. You, you had no experience with real life. You were just a parrot, just, you know, hearing, repeating what you had been indoctrinated to believe. But you know, the other thing I love is you're probably what now? 21. Now you're probably 22, maybe virgin on 23. That old frontal cortex is starting to finally come together. And now you're like, X, no, you know, because that's what happens when you're like 25. Now you've got a mature brain and you can start to say, I, this is all coming together and I am not okay with this. Oh, it's so sad. You know what throws me? I was listening to somebody the other day uh, oh, I was, you know, I was listening. To, oh, no, it wasn't him. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They joined the church at 18. A year later, they went on a mission. An 18 year old baby with no life experience and no even time to even absorb what being a member of this church is went on a mission to preach the gospel. And he, you know, it was a good experience for him. He learned a lot, but what he learned was how to study. He learned, he forced him to read the scriptures, you know, so it was all about what it did for him. I can't imagine what it might've done for the community that he was trying to teach. Because like you say, these little 18, 19 year old boys out there, are they're put in positions of authority? Look how they talk to you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the power trip they were on. Not only were you, you know, black, but you were also a woman. So check, check, check and nothing. You are nothing. Interesting. And so a convert. You, oh, and my gosh. Because believe it or not, well, I've been born in this. You're just now, you don't know anything. Oh, I know. I have this knowledge. That's amazing. So you you finished up your mission. Did you come home with a different outlook on the whole world, basically, that you were living? I. What an awful time. Because on one hand, I'm getting a lot of praise for what I did. So when you come home from a mission, you have, um, I forgot what it's called, but you're in a room with all of your state president. Oh, yeah, the, re- the, the return and report. Yeah. yeah, the release. And they were, you did good. Oh, my gosh, you good and faithful servant. And, you know, do you know what you've done, your example? And, this, and so then you're like, when you're wanting to ask some questions, hey, why did this happen? And they're like, you are amazing. You've got these men. You're you're a young woman with right. no support. And the only support you have is a church. And you've got these men that you, you're um, respecting and that yeah, you're Yeah, suits and ties and yeah, that, that obviously know more than you, way older than you. And all of them are telling you the same thing. You're like, oh, okay. But when you're dying inside and going, but do you really want to know? Like, yes, obviously there was great times on my mission, but there were some really dark, very painful times on my mission too. And so you can't say that. You, you, nobody gets to say the truth about how they feel. You comply, you smile and bear it and say, it was great. It was the greatest experience of my life. I got really good at telling, telling what they wanted to hear. Oh. I got really good at, wait a minute. If I say, 
hey, there were some struggles on my mission. That didn't go well. But if I, if I only focused on what good did happen, then I got pulled into more activities and more situations. So I just told them the good. I didn't tell them my pain and suffering, my insecurities, my fears. I had to tell them what was good. And that's right. all they wanted to hear. Right. And that's true, I think, all the way around. I mean, basic doctrine is you don't complain, you don't, you just suck it up, you pray more, you read your scriptures, and you get stronger, and then all that. We heard that in the last conference, in this last weekend's conference, the, um, I can't remember who it was, but the gentleman that gave the talk. Well, that's a whole different story. But the the gentleman that gave the story about that young couple that after they got married, he came down with this very rare disease. And then she had some kind of a visual thing where slowly she's losing her vision and she's she's going blind. He's eventually dying of this terrible disease. I can't even remember it now. Um, and he you know, they the, the, but they were happy. They were so happy. That was the message that they were so happy because of their knowledge of the gospel. And I'm like, is, and that's what they teach you. But I was so, and I was just talking to my husband about this the other day, because I said, when our son passed away, it really brought to the forefront the idea that Mormons don't know how to grieve because we're not allowed to be sad, right? So well, good thing you were married in the temple. Good thing that your family will be together forever. Good thing that you'll see them again. Get over it. Move on. Be happy. Don't be sad. We can't be sad because we have the truth and we, and we know everything. And so that applies in so many different areas. So that, yeah, there again, it's like, good job, good job, move on. Doesn't matter what you were thinking. Doesn't matter what was said to you. Good job, move on, be happy. Just think happy thoughts, you know? Wow. So, okay, so you came and I can see exactly what you're saying. The amount, I mean, nobody at Toys R Us was probably saying to you, Chanel, you are the most fabulous Toys R Us. You shine like the top of the Chrysler building for the, you know, for Toys R Us. No. They're like, what time you got to be here at nine o'clock tomorrow, show up Bye. you know, where else in your life do you get that much, you know, praise and adulation really? It's just yeah, amazing. So yeah. So there you go. There's the, there's the indoctrination. So how long after now you're home from your mission, you're in your mid twenties, you're kind of getting into that spinster thing. Is there any pressure to get married at Absolutely. this time? Okay. Absolutely. Um, but, like, yeah. But, how, okay, I'd like to, yeah, I would like to get married. Yeah, I would like to start dating. Could I have the list of authorized people I can date? Talk a little bit about that, right? The, the saddest thing about that is, so they're telling you that you have to get married in the temple. And mm. I'm like, yes you have to marry a member of the church. Yes. But you can't marry our sons because you're black and they're white. Yeah, there you like, go. There's that little caveat. Like, Wait, then who am I supposed to marry? Yeah. That, that's not our decision. You need to go find a black man and convert him. They never even said a white man or anybody. You need to go find somebody outside the church. You need to go find a black man and you need to convert him. But you, not our sons. <clears throat> like, <clears throat> no, you, the mixing is not okay. You cannot do that. That's not what God wants. Um, you know, because think about it. If I'm cursed and I mix with their sons, then we're all going to be cursed. Yeah. And look yeah, what you would be doing world. to those poor babies. Yeah. You're not, yeah. you're not cursing my, my son and those babies. So how exactly, so you're living in San Antonio, it's predominantly Hispanic and you're, and you're like, uh, okay. And where do I find these black 
members of the church, good priesthood people? Where, where is there a ward somewhere designated? So what did they, when you said, okay, where should I go? What did they say? We move, move. A lot of people did tell me you need to go find, you need to go move. And I'm like, to where there, and they would always say, I don't know, but that's, that's for you to figure out. And the mm -hmm. Lord will, if you're faithful, if you're faithful, God yeah. will provide. If you're faithful, he'll help you. So go to the singles ward. That means you're not our problem. You go, you go figure it out. Let them deal with you. So I go to the singles ward, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and um, I'm crushing on a few guys, of course. And uh, I remember one in particular was a lot older, really liked him. I thought he was absolutely amazing. After a while, he said, hey, this is not going to work. And I was like, why? He's like, uh, there's no way I could take you home to my family. Uh, and the, the most I'll say about him is he was from Idaho. Oh. <laughs> he said, I need to find a white Chanel. And I was <gasps> like, what? He said, yeah, you're great. You're absolutely wonderful. But that is not going to go over well. He said, I need to find a white Chanel. Everything about you is amazing. But that's just not going to work. I mean, he wasn't trying to hurt me. I don't think he it didn't feel ugly. It didn't feel no. we got along. We had fun. Um, he's like, but we can't go forward with this. Like, this is not even something we can do. And I was just like, uh, okay. So I just kept going to the singles ward, crushing on different guys. And every time I turned around, it was something of, ooh, you know, this won't work. Or, you know, they were always looking at somebody else. Like, you can stay right here, but hold on. Let me, I'm always looking for something better. Um, and it was just like, it was just weird. But remember if I'm faithful and I'm a good member, these things shouldn't bother me because you're offended right. because you want to be, you're only offended yeah. because you want to be. So if you're offended, Chanel, that's on you. That's not on us or the church or God or anybody. That's you. You need to fix you. Yeah. I need to fix me. I need to read my scriptures more. I need to be <sighs> more this. I need to be more that always trying to fix myself and still never good enough. And it wasn't, so it's like, they tell you. The best way I can describe it is this, and this is how I've described it always. It's like in San Antonio, the biggest thing that you wanted to do as a teenager is go to someone's house who had a pool, oh. which, which was very few people. Well, I got invited to a pool party once and I was so excited about it. So imagine getting invited to this pool party, but you're told you're not invited. You're told you have to go to this pool party. Okay. But you want to go anyway, cause it's fun. You go to this pool party and there, you know, there's going to be cake and ice cream. Well, you want cake and ice cream because it tastes good, but not only that you're told you have to eat the cake and ice cream, or you will have a miserable life. If you don't, you will suffer. You will be punished if you don't eat cake and ice cream. So you're okay with that because you want to anyway. So you go to this pool party and you're wearing a green bathing suit and everybody else is wearing a red bathing suit. And so you go up and the mom is giving out cake and ice cream. And so you go up and she's giving cake and ice cream to everybody but you. And you're like, oh, I'd like some cake and ice cream. And she's like, oh, no, honey, you cannot have cake and ice cream because you have a green bathing suit. And you're like, but this is the bathing suit I was given. You guys handed out bathing suits. You gave everybody a red one but me. You gave me a green one. That's right. I like some cake and ice cream. No, you cannot. You can swim. You can hang out and you can watch all of us eat it, but you cannot have any because you have a green bathing suit, but I can't take it off. That's correct. You cannot take off that green bathing suit. And this is your lot. You chose that. Yeah. And 
that's how it was. Like yeah. every time I turned around, I was, I was being, in, I was in trouble for something I had no control over or knowledge of understanding what it meant. I just know that I'm feeling two things that I'm, a, that God loves me, but he hates me. He loves yeah. me. He hates me. And like Renee, I don't think anybody understands how hard that is. You were just, you were just like trying so hard and you don't know why something's wrong with you. I didn't want anything wrong with me, but I chose that. She told me, I don't have my parents to bounce that off of. They would, right. they wouldn't go for that. And they wouldn't, in my brain, they wouldn't have understood anyway. Right. I, I am doing everything. I don't swear. I don't. I don't drink anything wrong. I stay in my room. I wear dresses up to here, down to here. All I do is read my scriptures. I watch church movies. I read all of the, I watch Labor of Love together forever. I'm doing everything right. You're telling me I have to be married in the temple. I am trying. What more do you want me to do? And mm -hmm. I'm asking God. So I'm thinking he hates me. I've got to mm -hmm. be, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe it was that time I did swear. Or maybe it was the stuff I did before I joined the church where I was, you know, watch rated R movies because I'm doing everything that they're saying I'm supposed to do and nothing, there's no gain from that. There's no, right. and everybody around me is getting engaged and dating. And I'm like, I'm living the gospel better than her. Yeah. I saw what she did and I saw what she watches. I'm doing this, 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 and that. I don't even come out of my room. I don't talk to my family. Nobody talks to me. I, I go to work. I come home. That's it. Yeah. And I'm still in trouble because I'm wearing a green bathing suit, which I didn't ask for. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. That, that, I can't believe. I cannot even comprehend the isolation and the aloneness and just the... I don't know how you even keep kept up. I mean, how did you even keep at, at what point did you just say, I can't do this? Was there a, was there something besides this? I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Was there something else where you finally said, and I'm done? No, because I lasted 33 years or 30 something years because remember so you remember what Job went through. You can't handle it, but Job can. Uh, okay. Or the, the savior himself. Remember he died on the cross for you to go through this and you can't handle it. You're not faithful. Well, I wanted to be faithful. So I just yeah. took it. It's like you take the beatings because in the end, you're going to get the mansion in heaven. You're going to get a seat on the right hand of God and you're going to do all this. So you have to take it. Wow. You're, and always was told you need to improve. It was the words endurance perseverance and resolve, increase your resolve, increase your resolve, increase your resolve. You know, when you work out, you want big muscles, don't you? You want to be healthy. Well, you have to go through the hardship to get that. Who are you? You remember a poor way free man in grief? You don't remember what Joseph Smith went through? Yeah. And the saints and they died. You're not dead. Oh yeah. gosh. Okay. So I just kept taking it. Always that other story of somebody that was better than you that had harder trials than you have supposedly, yeah. which are all fictional myths in the first place, but look what Joe got. Yeah. When he yeah. endured. Yeah. <clears throat> That's amazing. So, so through all of this, you did get married. How did you find somebody eventually? So I'm single. I'm living with my uh, friend 
she we have a we're roommates in an apartment and one day i get a knock at the door and it's a woman and she says are you chanel and i'm like yes she's like or oh, i'm your visiting teacher and i said well hi how are you and she goes oh my goodness and i go she goes you're you're pretty i got somebody for you and i go wait what she's like i have the perfect guy for you and i was like for wait what she's like um so my husband uh mission companion um he's black and you know you would be great for him and so you would be great for each other and i said with absolutely nothing else that you know black. about in common we're black that's it he's black yeah i'm black he's mormon i'm mormon and i was like Ta-da. so it, it clicked off there we go god yeah. finally provided so i give her my number tell him to call me he calls me we start talking on the phone i thought he was great I thought he was funny. I thought he was smart. And I was like, okay. And so, you know, the Mormon thing, next thing I know, a week later, he's proposing. And I'm like, dude, I haven't even met you. You live in a different state. Oh so my gosh. They flew him. They flew him here. And I had friends at that time because from my job, I was working in Utah. Um, we went to meet, I have never met him. I had seen his face or anything. So I meet this <gasps> And it's not working. I'm just not feeling that. I'm like, wow. So we finally meet and I'm like, no, this is not. And so I tell my friend, I'm like, what the heck? And she's like, Chanel, that's not, no. Like in this, he's just kind of, you know, I'm trying to, to be delicate because I'm friends with him now, <laughs> but it was it was just not a love connection. It was, was not no a, chemistry going not, on. Not at all. But intellectually, absolutely. Just, you know, we vibed with that. I just thought he was extremely, still extremely intelligent. One of the most intelligent people I've ever met. Okay. So I thought, okay, you know, that works. Well, I'm thinking this has to work because he's Mormon and he's a black Mormon and I'm a black Mormon. And long story short, I was at the singles ward at this time. And so I go to my branch president at the time and I'm like, I'm not feeling it. Like, this is not right. I, and he's like, seriously, like, are you reading your scriptures? Are you going uh, to the temple? Are you? And I'm like, yes, yes. He goes, then what's the problem? You're black. He's black. You're Mormon. He's Mormon. There's no reason why you shouldn't work. Like, there's no reason. He goes to church. You go to church. What's the problem? So then I'm scolded and I'm like, yeah, what's the problem? What is your problem? You're a terrible person. Just because you're not feeling some chemistry, that's on you. That's yeah, your problem. Right. So I'm talking myself into this thing. And uh, I want to get married in the Jordan River Temple. That was my temple. So I book it and everything. I'm talking to him and he tells me, well, we can't get married in the temple. And I'm like, why? And he said, well, because he answered one of the temple questions incorrectly because he was being honest. And so they took away his temple recommend. The question was, do you sympathize or associate with any other religion? And he said that he did because he had really good friends that were in the reorganized church and he had given uh, a talk in their sacrament meeting and they took away his temple recommend. So uh, I went back and told the branch president, he said, yeah, that's correct. They would take his recommend for that, but this is what you do. It's okay. That's it's nothing serious. So you get married now civilly, and then in a year, you can get married in the temple. And I was like, but everybody else is getting married in the temple. Why can't I get married in the temple? Can you just talk to them and realize that he's not an evil person? It was just, he was trying to help out a friend and 
He's like, they took away his recommend. There's nothing we can do. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, we got married and it was civilly. You just went to the courthouse, got married, had a uh, reception at that same woman's house of, of her, of her parents' home. Right. Um, we were married probably, I don't know, a month. And he was working at, at that time, ZCMI, mm. which is a church owned company. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, uh, he was having some issues that day. They, he didn't come home. And he said that he had broken a TV there and they were trying to take it out of his paycheck. I called the bishop and said, hey, um, there's something going on here. The church is trying to hold his check because he accidentally knocked over a TV. Shouldn't there be insurance cover that? He goes, yeah, I'll check into it. Next thing I know, he's like, can I talk to you? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, um, is your husband a member? And I'm like, yes. He's like, no, he's not. <gasps> and I'm like, what? He's like, does he have any children? And I said, no. They're like, yes, he does. <gasps> and I'm just like getting punched in the face. I'm like, wait, what? Oh my so this is not any disrespect to him. You know, he's repented or whatever his issue was. And everybody knows the story. So it's not like it's a secret. Yeah. Um, he had told me that this child was not his. And he had had a child. And so he had been excommunicated. Um, I didn't know that. But like I was trying to tell everyone I didn't feel good about this relationship. My own tuition, my own personal revelation was valid, but everyone exactly. was telling me theirs was more important because exactly. they were branch presidents. They had the priesthood and yes. I was just a woman that didn't know any better. And uh, so I was in just absolute shock. He comes home. I question him. He denies it all. And finally he admits it. And I'm like, we're done. Like, I'm not doing this. Well, then I sent him away. And about two weeks later, I found out I was pregnant. And mm -hmm. so I was like, what am I supposed to do? I've never been pregnant before and yeah. I'm married. And so we decided to work it out. But long story short, it just never worked. It, it wouldn't no. have worked. It Too just, much deception. Yeah, yeah it, was, it just never worked. And uh, he got rebaptized and everything. And it just never worked. It was always yeah. something. And that part of it, I'll just leave it at that. But no. And so now I'm divorced. And so that is the mark on you. Oh. You are a black woman with two kids. Now you are divorced. You never got married in the temple. I mean, just like, Oh my gosh. You know, strike, strike, strike two little black children, yep. black single mother. Could we get any more stereotypical please? Of course. I mean, you are just fitting into their well. See, they you know, didn't yep, get married see. in the temple, right? And there. see, and they didn't know the reason why. And then, oh, so then people would see me. Oh, a black woman with two kids must have been her boyfriend's kids, mm -hmm. not knowing that I was married. And yeah, all of the shun that comes with that. And and there were some good people that you know tried to be there for me. And then there was the others. So yeah. I'm just again, uh, the scale like one minute. On this hand, I'm good. And this, oh, yeah. That I don't know who I am because I'm letting people tell me who You're I am. Letting people tell you who you are. I don't exactly. know who I am or what I'm supposed to be. All I know, the only thing I know in life is I need to go to church and read my scriptures, pay my tithing, and go to the temple. That's all I know. I don't know anything else. Right. But I'm always struggling because I want friends and I don't have friends. And like I told them, there's a difference of friendship. And fellowshipping. You're fellowshipping, exactly. but you're not my friends. You guys exactly. are all going on trips together and barbecues. 
you might have me over, but it's not the same. You're not the people I call in the middle of the night when my kids are throwing up and it's two kids that are 15 months apart. I have no family. I'm in Utah. It's me and my kids. And then yeah. I had a friend of his, my ex-husband, who she became a different woman, became a friend of mine. And she was there for me. She was, uh, she did everything. Like she was very supportive, but that was it. It was her and her family. And like I said, people were nice enough, but they weren't the people that were there, you know? Right. Right. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I just cannot imagine putting another foot in front of the other and just keep moving, getting those kids dressed, taking them to church on Sunday in spite of what you're hearing, what they're telling you. And, and I love, you know, when people talk about, well, I felt, you know, the Holy spirit, the whole, the Holy spirit told me to turn right or to turn left. So I knew that was from God. You had your intuition, your built in gut that is given to us to, keep us safe, but you were actually told to that's void. That's not the Holy spirit because you know, you were told initially, no, 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 no. Don't marry this guy. This, I, this doesn't feel good, but they overrided that even though the next thing is listen to the spirit. It's like, I did, I did listen to the spirit and it said, don't get married, but I had to override that personal revelation for your authority. That, that is, well, long story short, I, I just can't believe that you're still this beautiful, fully functioning woman sitting there in front of me. You eventually remarried. And I love when you told the story because you ended up marrying a white guy and you have two other children. How many? You have two other children from that marriage. Is that correct? correct. I, I loved when you told the story of how when people would come up to you and they'd be like, what's happening here? Do these guys all have the same father? Oh, yeah. What's what's happening? And I think you even said something about, do they go up to your husband and go, Who, whose kids are these? Are you the father? Did they ever approach your husband? No, he never you? went to church with me. Oh, okay. Um, but what, what uh, it depended on who was asked me because it was asked a few times. It was asked enough to where, you know, I got testy. Like one lady, yeah. I, told, I did tell her, one lady, I told her, I didn't know who the father was. <laughs> Another one, I told her to ask her husband. Oh, yeah, I was. I wait, was, did you say that at church? Was this? Sure church? Did. Oh, sure I did. wish I could have seen that lady. I said, why don't you ask your husband? A little bit of pee. A little bit of yeah. pee came out right then. I was, like, <laughs> I was getting really tired of the question. And who cares? Let's say that all four of them did have different dads. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. I'm here at church, obviously trying to do better than my four boyfriends or whatever it is that they were thinking. <laughs> Yeah. 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 The reason I thought that was so funny was because my daughter, her first husband was half Korean. And so she had two little girls and then he was tragically killed in a car accident. And she remarried a guy that is just as white as they could be. I mean, this, this guy, you know, everything he, he's just, I don't know what his heritage is, but it is uh, the poor guy just cannot tan at all, you know? So then she has two other kids, right? So she goes to the to the DMV to get her license changed because she's now remarried and she has a different last name. So she's sitting there with her two little her two babies and somebody reached over and go, oh, are you going to China to adopt some more children? And she was like, no, these are my children, you know, and then when he would take when the, the new second husband would take the kids, 
people literally would come up to him and go, are you their father? Uh, what are those yours too? What, how, you know, and he would just say, yeah, they are, they're all for mine, you know? And it's just amazing what, I don't know whether that's an American thing because, but you would think with the diversity in America, it would not be an American thing, you know, it, it's, it, it's just, it, but I will say, I will say when I would take my two little Asian grandchildren, I had Asian people come up to me and go, what are they? And I would say, oh, well, they're, um, you know, half Korean or a quarter Korean. And they'd go, I knew it. I knew they were Korean. Koreans are the most beautiful. And I'd be like, okay, I don't know what's happening here. Like what's going on here? I know. It's crazy what people will say. It's just like, look, you think whatever you need to think, but do not let it come out of your mouth. But yeah, it's tragic. It's just tragic. But I want to get to at what point did you finally say, I am done with this malarkey. This is, I have seen the light. At when did that happen? 2016. Okay. And what was the catalyst for this move? So just a little bit before that, each year, it seems like I got more secure in who I was and more of this, this doesn't feel right. Like I would ask questions when Obama became president, people were kind of nasty and some, a lot of the racism came out. Um, but I kind of was still like, mm, la, 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 la. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm not ready for this. But 2016, and, and I think people still try to sugarcoat their racism with Obama. But when Trump became president, let me tell you. It was. Uh, honey. Gloves are they were like They were like, hoods on. Suck <laughs> it up. We don't yeah. care. We're tired of you people, you people. And they would say stuff they didn't apologize for. They said it with their full chest. Deal with it. And I was just like, wait, excuse me. What did you just say? So in the church, you're talking about in the church, there was a I'm talking new... members of the church yeah. were bold with a lot of members, very bold, arguing with me on Facebook posts, um, telling me that uh, Black people are just whiners and that there is no racism and George Floyd deserved to die and black people need to comply. And if we weren't so disrespectful and if we weren't doing black on black crime and getting pregnant, we would be treated better. And I'm just like, oh, and then one lady told me, she said, and she meant it in the most sweetest way possible. And I told her, do you realize what you're saying? She says, listen, in the beginning, God cursed the black people with dark skin. And this is why she said, it's okay, listen. She said, the reason why you guys are having a lot of problems with the police is because in the pre-existence, you guys were so naughty and not valiant. And so you have to go through that trial so that God can teach us how to love you better. So my black skin, my curse is to teach her and everybody else how to love, how to truly love a person despite their skin. That is my lot in life is to be black, to teach you how to love us. I I am absolutely amazed at every kind of uniqueness, whether it's disabled, whether it's the color of your skin, every, whether you're a woman, there's always because you weren't, you know, that's the plan of salvation. You weren't valiant. You know, that was the same thing that Harold B. Lee told people with disabilities. You weren't valiant in the preexistence. You chose to come to earth with a, a, a body that is, you know, disabled because 
you wanted to have a body so badly, but you're here to teach us. Exactly. You're here to teach us how to love, how to serve, what Christ-like love is, and look at the opportunity that you've given us, the valiant people, you know, you're going to teach us how to do that. Thank you so much for suffering and being in pain every day exactly. so that we can learn. I love that mentality. It, it's wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's 2016. You're getting this. Uh, don't even get me started on you're getting the Trump, you know, uh, yeah. division now that's happening. It's just, and, and then, so then what happened? So then I just was like, and then I was getting the Candace Owens stuff where you need to be uh, like her. You need oh. to be like her. You need to be like her. She gets it. You don't. You need to be like her. And I was like, excuse me, Candace who? And so I started learning about her. I was like, hell no. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't agree with anything that she's saying. And I said, explain black on black crime. Because let me tell you something. That's a proximity. I'm here in Utah. So when I see all of this stuff on the news, is that white on white crime? Is that yeah. Mormon on Mormon crime? Like what yeah. kind of crime is that? Yeah. Yeah. And nobody, I said, that's a trope that you guys are using. And do you really, and so I'm fighting by myself, challenging the narratives that they're pushing. And then yeah. Tucker Carlson, and I'm like, are you listening to what you're saying? So then that same woman that told me those things, I, about um, how God, that we're black so that she can learn how to love us better. She sent me a message and she was upset because people were calling her children, Karen's and, uh, colonizer. Oh. And uh, she was crying to me. And I said, Oh, my gosh. So you've got people calling your children Karen's and colonizer. Oh. I said, Remember, you're only offended because you want to be remember when I was telling you that people were calling us the N word and, and apes and gorillas. And you said, you're only offended because you want to be, oh. I think you're offended because you want to be. Wow. So she was afraid that her children were going to be treated like me and my children and I said doesn't feel good does it it's it feels pretty nasty when you're just existing and just because of color of your skin people are calling you names yeah I yeah. need you to sit in that you need to yeah. sit in that and then yeah. you can understand what I've been going through my whole life within an organization that promised that I was safe yeah it doesn't feel good that's that's amazing. And, and exactly like that's a, a mind opener. That's, uh, that's one of those aha experiences. It's like, Oh, it's happening to you. You don't like that. Oh, okay. You know, that, that, that reminds me. So did, did you like type up the paper, resign your membership in what year? Well, I've been asking for years, how do I get my name removed? Oh, you don't want your name removed. Just don't go to church. So I didn't know. So then this past year, so 2019, there was a local bishop and I asked him, I sent him some texts and there's exchange between us that I've kept. And I said, hey, I would like to know what I need to do to have my name removed. He says, that is not me. I'm not here to help you ruin your salvation. Mm. I am here to help you with your salvation and then your eternities. I'm not here to, to, to ruin that. Right. And I said, I want my name removed. And he's like, well... I'm not here to do that. I'm not going to help you do that. Yeah. So I just kind of left it alone. I didn't know what to do. Um, so then another, a new bishop became the bishop and I wasn't going to church. And I finally, so this was last year, last March, I finally told him, I want my name. removed. He, he was very helpful. He was very loving. He says, are you sure you want that? I said, yes. 
it was done in five minutes. I sent him a letter. I signed it. It was done in five minutes. He said, done. And I got a letter um, from the church, uh, I think three weeks after that. But all it took was that and it was done. But I had been asking for years and being told, no, we can't do that. That's not how it works. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And that bishop telling me that he cannot help me, that that's not what he's there for. He's there to advise me on spiritual things, not to remove my name. Right, right. And I think what I'd like the audience to know and and our listeners to know is I think if you were to stop right there and then I was to say to the audience, give me the ending of this story that you think happened after Chanel left the church. Tell me what you think happened to her family life. I think if you were to say to them, I was completely alone, not because I left my LDS community, not because I lived in, in, in Utah. Now you're living in Utah, which is predominantly white and predominantly LDS. Um, not, not that wasn't the reason I was alone. It was because I couldn't even go back to my Baptist Catholic family and find solace or acceptance and welcoming. Talk about that. You, you've left the church did you contact your family and say, I've left the church. You were right. I was so, I can't believe I did this, that I bought into this. Or how did that go? So Renee, it's different stages and different conversations with different people. Yeah. My, my brother is a very religious person, a very kind, loving person. To him, it's just like, okay, good for you. Um, with my sister, my older sister, it's a little bit of a, like, wait, what do you mean? You don't even believe in God and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then my other sister is very accepting because she's a pagan. So she don't care. Oh. She's a Wiccan pagan. There she's you like, go. It's about, she's like, it's about damn time. <laughs> and it's then, like, wait, let's like, oh, good. I'm going to send you something that you can worship now. No. <laughs> and then my cousin. So I think it's important to bring up my cousin because he's been my friend since 92. I went on my mission in 93. He wrote me. He's the only one that wrote me while I was on my Uh, mission. He's been my support. He's been my, he's been, oh my God. He is my only friend. Like I love my brother and my brother's good. My mother is wonderful. uh, My family are good people. You have to understand what I did to them. I isolated them. I push them. They pushed me. There's no relationship. So for 30 years, I've been a member of this church. How, who do they know? How can I relate to them? They're all relating to each other because they're in a community in a black community going to the same church, doing all those things. And my cousin, even though he is really involved in his religion, he has been my only friend. Uh. He, like while I was on my mission, he just listened. He didn't care how crazy I sounded, how dumb I sounded. He was just my friend. He's my friend now. And um, I'm just like going through things, trying to figure out who am I? Um, black community is dragging me. Just like, you are so stupid. You wanted to be white anyway. You are white. And you, you have to understand, I am technically because who's who's been raising me who has been the people i've been around for 30 years not black people yeah mormons white people so whatever they believe 
is what I believe. Even though I'm challenging them, I'm like, this racism is wrong. Uh, the things that you say, the microaggressions, all these things are wrong. I, my culture is gone. I'm still trying to fight for it. I'm The music I listen to, the food that I make, the hairstyles, the makeup, the dancing. In, in Black culture, dancing is a huge thing. Yeah. Well, that's too central. That's too Black. You're too loud. You're too this. And I'm trying to fight. So they're telling me, stay in the church so you can... I am. I had been. For 30 years, I've been challenging that I'm okay. Card games. Uh, in, in the Black community to play dominoes and spades and poker and all that is a huge thing. And the church like no cards. Yeah. So everything about me is stripped. Everything, mm -hmm. the way I talk, how I interact, how I dress, who I date, everything is challenged. Your yeah. food, your clothing, food. like you said, the your food, hairstyle, food, everything. everything. Soul food, soul food, food is yeah. everything. Everything right. is toned down. Even Thanksgiving's. Thanksgiving, going to have mashed potatoes, um, some corn, some carrots, a turkey, and some box dressing. Uh, that's not how I grew up. Yeah. And so if I brought something, it was like, ooh, we don't know what that is. We don't want to try that. That's too spicy. Or is it too this? Or I don't know what that is. And so everything about who I am is stripped. So now I leave this organization because I just cannot breathe. And I know I'm going to be alone. And I'd rather be alone than not being able to breathe and suffocating. Like I'm tired of being fake, just sitting mm -hmm. there at all of these dinner thinking, I hate every minute of this because I cannot be me. I just right. want to breathe. Do you know what it's like to breathe? You're suffocating me and you're not seeing it. I'm trying to tell you, God cannot be this cruel. He cannot be this cruel. All I want to do, like, like swearing, does that make me evil? If I swear, am I unkind to you? Am I cruel to you? Do I hurt you? No, I do not. But I like to swear. I like to watch rated R movies. But am I naughty to your kids who run up to me and hug me and tell me that they love me? And your family, if, if I show shoulders, does that make me treat you like shit? No, it yeah, doesn't. Right. So why is it so bad? Why are you putting barriers and telling me how evil I am? When I actually am not evil, just because right. I do things that in your head you think are wrong. Right. And now just trying to figure out who I am because I've been told who I needed to be for 30 years. Um, so I still have some of my upbringing. Then I have some of the church. Then I have some of, I have all of these things. And it's like the movie Runaway Bride where they finally ask her, how do you like your eggs? And she's like, I don't know. And she figures out how she likes them. I am now figuring out what kind of eggs I like. Not yeah. my husband, not my children, not my family, not the church, not the community, not the black community, like anybody. What do I like? And there's not a box for me. Mm -hmm. I have a box of my own. I don't fit in anybody's box. I don't fit in anybody community because in the black community, I'm too weird. I'm too white. In Mormon community, I'm not Mormon enough. In the white community, I'm too black. Like I don't have a box. Right. There's not a, there's not a tribe that I have. Yeah. The only tribe that I have is I have my cousin, Sean and my friend, Hillary. Those are the two because it's like, I Marco Polo a lot. Um, and I remember my friend, Hillary, who's known me since also since about nineties, 97, 98. When I'm on a polo with her, 
she's like this. Oh my uh, gosh, tell me about you. Yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly. She just right. was like this. When everybody else is uncomfortable, they don't want to hear about my life. They want me to hear about theirs. Yeah. But they, they're, they've went to the temple or their kids are on missions. But if I want to tell them about my life, they don't want to hear it. They're yeah. like, nope, that's evil. That's evil. That's evil. You're evil. Yeah. You're, you're, you're carnal. You're awful. You're awful. You're not virtuous. And yeah. But with her and my cousin, they always want to hear it. They always want to hear about my life. And I try, I'm speaking out for awareness so people can understand. And black community are just saying, you are stupid. You are a divester. You are a privileged white woman. You are, you married to a white man. So you're privileged and you have this and you have that. You don't understand our struggles. I'm in the worst place ever because I'm not accepted by the black people. I'm not yeah. accepted by the white people. I have no people. Right. So I have it, but I'm, but I like my life. Like you are making it happen. I just, I mean, I, I found you on TikTok and the statements that you are making on TikTok. And I'll tell you, this whole ban TikTok thing got me so riled up. I was so upset about that because I see people like you that are making a difference on that social forum more than in any of the other social forums that there are out there. And, and the fact that you say it, it's your truth and your, and, and talk a little bit about not only that, your, your TikTok success, but also talk about you're opening up a freaking restaurant this is a look what this person has gone through. Like you said, I'm not accepted by the black community. I'm not accepted by the Mormon community. I'm not accepted by the white community. I mean, talk about isolation. And then you're like, yeah, well, let me tell you about what I'm doing today. I'm opening up my restaurant and I've got these fabulous grandchildren and I love my children. And I've got this great family and I'm succeeding. I'm winning. I'm winning. <laughs> you know, okay. No, talk I about your. Talk about your restaurant that you're opening up. So when you said I'm winning, uh, my cousin, gosh, I get emotional when I talk about my cousin because he is a very successful person because he busted his ass. I mean, he worked so hard. And one day I was crying to him about some lamenting about some things in my life. And he's like, that's enough. <gasps> he's, like, he's like, listen to you. He goes, Chanel, every time I talk to you, you're fighting to win. You, I can see it. You're going to win. You're fighting for it. What are you going to do? Like, he's not telling me how to do it. He's like, what do you want to do? And I said, the one thing that I'm good at is food. I, I cook, I cater, I do all this. And I learned in the South that if you want to bring happiness to people, you cook for them. Yeah. You feed them. You, if they come over, you feed them. And that's one thing that is working. And one thing about Utah, like I was ready to leave. I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm yeah. out of here. Utah, I am not going anywhere. Because when I say that I'm not accepted by any group, there is a small group that is so supportive. You know, it started with John Delenn and his wife, Margie. Yeah. And then from there, being on his show opened me up to other people who said, hey, I'm learning. How do I support you? Uh, and I'm like, what? You want to support me? I don't know what that looks like because yeah. the support always came with conditions yes. and they're like no strings attached. What do I need to do to help you? What? And I don't know because I'm not used to like, sure. People have given me money before, but it wasn't, I didn't beyond that. I needed to know what skill 
The only skill you have is you need to be a mom and a wife. You need to be a mom and a wife. That's it. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, but I want to go to school. Don't go to school. You have children. What kind yeah. of woman goes to school now and then gets away from her family? You need to be in the home. Nothing can, can compensate for failure in the home than a woman not being there. So That's all right. these dreams and things I wanted to do to support myself, not have handouts. I want I'm I'm a worker. My Every child I've had, I've worked. I've always been away from home. I have a baby. Six weeks later, they go into daycare. That's all I've done. I didn't know anything else. And my husbands have not been supportive, you know, and I've, I've divorced two men already, you know, um, because the church says, get married, get married, get married, get married, get married. I don't want to get married, you know? And so um, this restaurant, this thing that I'm doing, I noticed that people are now accepting the flavors. They're accepting mm. my heritage, Creole, Cajun, Southern <sighs> soul food. They're like, this is good. Instead of like, ew, I don't want to try that. Ugh. They're like, what more do you have? I got a text from one guy who said, your cornbread should be illegal. And ah! like, my cornbread? Oh my gosh. And so I learned, they said, how do you learn how to cook? My mother, not a cookbook, not yeah. a recipe book. My mother, my aunties, my uncles, my cousins. I learned to cook from them. So now I, it was like, like a penance kind of like, here's the food, you know, I make it, you, I can, I can take that back to my family and to regain their respect and their love through cooking, through playing cards, through playing, mm -hmm. through dancing, through singing. This is what we do, you know, and now know who I am taking a little bit of everything. I'm okay with that. I yeah. like who I am and for whoever wants to be a part of that, that's fine. One thing I know is unfortunately, I love to a fault. People are like, how can you be friends with her? She said racist stuff. And I said, I don't know. I feel love for her. I don't know why I do. Um, and maybe she doesn't know any better. Maybe I make excuses for people. I don't know, but my love for people is very, very strong. So I want right. to feed them. I want to feed them. I can accept people for their BS or not. I can, I can challenge them. I will always challenge them and, and bring awareness to them. And if they decide to leave after that, that's fine. I still love them for who they are. I love people from where they come from and hopefully where they're going. And I do that through food. You want to eat it? Here it is. And I'm a huge holiday person because I used to hate holidays with a passion. Mm. Holidays were always contention and drama and feeling like, why am I here? They're not celebrating the holidays, how I grew up. I don't like this. And so now I do holiday things. I have holiday trees. I have a 12 foot tree right in front of me. It's an Easter tree. Um, and it's just covered with Easter stuff, Easter eggs, and stuff like that. And different holidays because the holidays aren't for what they originally for that. I make the holidays mine. I celebrate yes. them with my own tradition, my own customs, my own, my own flavor, my own yeah. food what I want and it feels good. And so this, this food, I am having an event, uh, May, uh, May 6th, where I am catering a big event so that people can try the food and see what they like to introduce them to stuff. I guarantee you they've never had before. And it's oh all from gosh. Texas. So a little bit of Tex-Mex too. There's something called carne guisada, not carne asada, which most people, unless you're from Texas, haven't heard of. No. So it's stuff like that that I want to share with them and say, this is what you're getting from me. And this is who I am. 
the yeah. food, this is me, the, the drinks, the dessert, this is me. And that feels good. When I think about the food and what I'm giving to them and what I'm making, that makes me happy. So all of that hurt, I'll take it again. If I can get to this point to where my cousin sees, I'm just fighting to win. I don't want to hurt anybody in that win. I want to give to them because I do feel to some extent, there is a lady that is a member of the church. She, I lived with her after my mission. She was a person in the area and she let me be me. She is a, a very devout member. But while everybody else was trying to take away my culture, when I lived with her, she would always say, show me. Uh, she, she let me dance the way I wanted to. She let me cook the way I wanted to. She let me dress the way I wanted to. I, she never tried to change anything about me, nothing. And her children, they loved me. And I still talk to her now every, like pretty often. Uh, mm. And her son, she has a son here that is a renowned photographer and he, they treat me like, like I am a queen or something. They just treat me with so much love and respect and always supportive, always supportive. And there's <sighs> another family. So Springfield, Missouri is where I moved after my mission. That was an area of my mission. Okay. This woman was there and there was one other family, the Bushmans. I'm telling you, they are so respectful. It's the Candlesses and the Bushmans members that treat me like, like there's nothing wrong with me. Right. They don't, they don't make me feel like I'm disgusting or I'm evil or I'll burn They're It's, it's love and it's real and it's valid. And, um, they're one of the reasons too, where I, I'm fighting the win because they've always been loving and supportive and, that's all I can do is I can, I can cook. I can show you who I am through food. That's, that, that's what I know. That's what I, that's what I'm hearing. And I love, I love the two things that you said, accept my flavor and show me who you are. Can you imagine walking into a, a, a congregation or a group of people and having them say, Oh, what's your name? Show me who you are. We will love you. Show me what your flavor is. You need to add to our soup. We need yes. to know what your flavor is. Wouldn't that be lovely instead of, oh, look, here's the rules. Let me tell you who you are, exactly. what you'll think, what you'll wear, what you'll, and I know, and I, I know that sounds so frivial when people say that, oh, they told me what it was to wear, but it's deeper than that because it's, it's, it's like you said, it goes beyond just your choice in clothing it goes to your culture it goes to your talent you know you're talking about chanel you know it goes to your the how you grew up how your mom how your grandmother it goes back it's more than just a dress or it's it's who you are and that's what gets stripped away from these strict patriarchal rules that were made by men first of all and white men, second of all, that tell us what God wants, what God accepts. And for you to have somebody in your life that said, show me who you are. Show me. Who, that's beautiful. That's beyond beautiful. Well, Renee, think of it this way. So we've all been to a buffet, right? Yeah. You know, and you, you know, there's salads over here. There's meats there's soups, there's desserts. So when you go to a buffet, 
you can have whatever you want. You can choose to eat whatever you want. Yeah. But I feel like for me, for 30 years, I've been going to a buffet, but I've been told, okay, you can only have cucumbers. You can only have meatloaf and you can only have um, cottage cheese. That's all you're allowed to have because we know what's best for you. And I'm like, okay, but there's, there's chicken and there's, uh, Ooh, there's eggs. Ooh, wait a minute. There's a macaroni salad. And there's, oh my gosh, they're they're like, "Uh, excuse me. Are you not listening? Yeah. You might see all of that stuff, but that is not good for you. And if you don't listen to us, if you eat anything, but those three items, you will surely die. And not only will you die, you will suffer. Your body will catch on fire. You'll get hives, you'll get rashes. So I'm terrified but that stuff looks good, but I'm terrified to try it. And then one day I'm like, I, I want to die. If, 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 if I have to die, I'm going to try this. And one day I start trying all this stuff and it's delicious and I'm not dying and I'm not getting hives. And I'm like, you <laughs> lied to me. You man, you lied to me. Yeah. That's how it feels. Like, finally, I'm like, wait a minute. What do I believe? What do yeah. I want to eat? Now I'm at a buffet and anytime I go, I can eat whatever I want and I will not die. They exactly. do not know what's best for me. And you know what, Renee, you know, what's scary about that? Let's say that I had celiac and I couldn't eat gluten. And all they told me I can do is eat rolls because they know what's best for me. Yeah. Well, if I can't have gluten, those rolls aren't good for me. They might be right. good for you. Right. Because you don't have a gluten intolerance. Or what if I'm lactose intolerant and they say you only can eat ice cream, cottage cheese and um, anything that has milk. Well, yeah, that might be good for them, but it's going to yes. kill me. Exactly. What if, what if nuts? What if I have a nut allergy and they said you can only eat almonds? Yeah. They don't know what's best for me. They know what's right. best for them. Yeah. And that is the problem. And that's yeah. the best way I can describe it. That's a perfect, that's a perfect metaphor. Not only that, but if you do have an opportunity to travel, and this is one of the other things that was part of my cognitive dissonance for so long was if you have a chance to travel outside of America and you go to church, like when my husband and I first went to Hawaii and we went to church in Hawaii and I was like, uh, the bishop has a Hawaiian shirt on. The little boys that are passing the sacrament have on, I don't know what the official. Lava, you know, lava. Yeah, the, and, and I'm like, uh, that's a skirt. I don't think you can wear that. How come they're allowed? How come they're allowed to do that? How come Thank they you. can go to the temple in a muumu and sandals, but I'm told I can't wear open toe shoes. Exactly. How come that's okay? Exactly. And then I'm like, what if you went to Scotland, you know, and someone showed up, could a general authority show up in one of those beautiful kilts and the whole thing, would they be allowed to do that? No, that's not the flavor that we accept. You have to be the American IBM 1960s version of Christ Church. And exactly what you said is like, you don't know what's best for me. Christ did not tell me to wear an IBM white church. That is not, he, you know, he, and I love this because people were talking, I heard someone the other day talk about, and I could be wrong, Dan McClellan, help me out. But um, people were talking about the difference in the you know resurrection stories and things like that. But I believe that I remember being taught recently that when Jesus went and cleansed the temple, he cleansed the temple to try to tell the people, this temple is not going to be around much longer. You have to find me internally. I will not be in this temple because this temple is going to be gone. I am going to be inside of you. And so that's a very simple principle. He didn't say, oh, and by the way, also, 
please wear a black skirt uh, that comes to your mid-calf. Please wear this. Please don't cut your hair. Please don't dye your hair this color. Please wear your hair in a bob. Please, you know, don't do... None of those things are were in the teachings of Jesus, and yet they are promoted as if they were the teachings of Jesus. And it completely takes away of any kind of diversity or flavor. Let's yes. all eat. Let's just all eat flour and water. Yeah. That's the best. No. That's beautiful. You're you're so beautiful. I can't if anybody in my last three years of of doing She Became Visible uh podcasts, if anybody has stood up and said, excuse me, this is me, you are the best example I've ever had because I can't believe what you've gone through to have to fight for your identity, to fight for your worth. And to fight for the acknowledgement of who you are and what you stand for. It's, you're beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate you sharing your, and I love that you, I love another thing that I think you've, you've shown is it only takes one. Yes. Your cousin, your friend, you're blessed to have two. If you just have one person that stands behind you and says, I love you. Tell me what, tell me what your, yeah. how your day went today. Yeah. Oh my so gosh, beautiful. Renee, it's, it's, it's everything. And, and that's why I keep telling members of the church, if you love God, then you love God. You don't have to do what 15 men tell you, you have to do. Yeah. You make that decision. What's best for you. And I'm telling you, it's going to be freeing because I'm telling you what, when I was standing in front of my daughter and she had to call EMS and I know for a fact that I was leaving this earth, I was not scared. And I've had close calls before because of some medication, some health issues. Mm. I was always scared. I was not scared. And that's when I knew I made the right decision leaving the church because I was at peace. I was not scared. I was okay. Yes. And I thought, I'm sorry. Like I knew I was leaving and I said, you'll be fine. And I'm looking at my daughter while I'm like about to pass out and she's scared and she's dialing 911 and I literally feel I'm leaving my body and I was not scared. I was not scared. And that's a piece that I don't know if everybody can get. And that's why I'm okay. If I have to be by myself, so be it. At least yeah. I can breathe. <gasps> My grandson just got home. Oh, perfect Hi, timing. Come perfect here. timing. Come here. Bye -bye. Okay. Sorry. Oh, just... no, that's perfect. Look at this baby. Come... He just walked in. Stop it. Stop oh it right gosh. now. Hi. Hi, I baby boy. Can you say hi? Oh my goodness, you're so handsome. You're so handsome. Oh my goodness. It's like, what is Nana doing now? She is just, oh, there's a little smile behind there. I can see that little smile. Okay. Oh my okay. gosh. Love you. Bye -bye. Oh, Chanel, this is perfect timing. What a <laughs> what a beautiful way to end this conversation. Yes. I cannot thank you enough for, for no, your- No, thank you for your love and the uh, the things that you taught us today. You were truly a teacher today. And I hope that others have learned and felt what I did just listening to you. You're I appreciate just, you letting me talk. Uh, I just admire, I admire you so much. And I'm trying to figure out how to get to Utah on May 6th. So I don't live very far away. I'm going to make it. I got to taste some of that food. <laughs> All right. Go and spend some time with that beautiful family of yours. Thank you so much. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Have you ever had an opportunity in your life to get to know someone and to hear their story as touching and heartfelt as Chanel? And let me tell you, it's 
this, this is why this is a female driven and female only podcast. Show me, tell me your warrior story. This is someone who has fought her whole life to stand up and say, see who I am, love who I am, listen and taste my flavor, put my flavor into your soup, into your melting pot and let me contribute. Let me contribute in my way. That's what she became visible is all about. And Chanel is the queen. She is the number one example of doing exactly that. Ah, oh, you guys, I don't know how I'm going to go on the rest of the day. That was just beautiful. I hope that you enjoyed it. And I would encourage you, please, if you wouldn't mind to subscribe and like, and I know that's such, I have a little granddaughter that even when she was three or five, cause she used to watch these little YouTube things and she'd say, subscribe and like, subscribe and like, but if it's important that you do subscribe and like, okay. And if you'd love to make a donation, that would be so helpful. One of the things that I've learned with social media is how important it is to have people who know all different parts of, of handling media producers, editors, content creators. It takes a team. It takes a village, okay? It really does to produce good quality things. I am ever looking for people that are talented in those different areas because I want She Became Visible to get better and better and better. And so if you wouldn't mind, go to shebecamevisible.org. Make a small donation. Let's make this grow. When I hear women complain, I'm so sick of men's voices. I wish I could find a podcast that was done by women about women. Hello. We're right here. So if you wouldn't mind, spread the word, like, subscribe, and tell, tell you tell two friends, and then they'll tell two friends, and then they'll tell two friends. If you're old enough to remember that commercial, you get what I'm saying. So go to shebecamevisible.org, uh, make a small donation, whatever you're comfortable with, and tell your gal friends. I found a podcast that's about women. It's run by women. It's for women. It's for women to get the strength and the courage to stand up and say, hey, I became visible and let me tell you how I did it. So that's what this is all about today. Thank you so much for joining me and we will see you again next week. And I think I have a special guest coming, but I will tell you about it sometime during the week. All right. Bye-bye.